0: Communion is more than a religious observance of the sacrifice of Christ. Communion is when we take a moment to reflect upon and appreciate our union with Christ and the power that it unleashes into our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there where we did communion because it's what we do, right? It's what we're supposed to do. It's a religious observance. It's something that we're supposed to do, but... Honestly, it, it really carried no meaning in my life at one point, but it was because I did not understand what it was about. See, communion is an important practice that we should all undertake in our lives regularly. It's the reason why the scriptures say that as often as you take this bread and you drink this cup, you should do it, watch this, in remembrance of him. And so tonight, as we dive into the word for a moment and then we go into communion, I want you to keep this in mind that communion is, is meant to draw you to a remembrance. It's to remind you of something powerful. And oftentimes when we think about communion what we think about is what Jesus did and rightly so. But we take ourselves out of the equation. See, without a constant remembrance of your union to Christ, you can enjoy no relationship with Christ. Let me put it to you this way. If when if is if, if Tonight, when we take communion or whenever you do it on your own, if it doesn't draw you to an understanding of what has happened to you in Christ, then it's meaningless. Let me show you that from scripture. Don't take my word for it. In Romans chapter six, starting at verse three, it says, or don't you know, right? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That word baptism there speaks of a submerging, but it's not, in this context, it's not referring to a water baptism. It's talking about your union in death to Christ, right? And so watch what it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, watch this, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, I'm going to say that again, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we to may live a new life. Listen to what the scripture is saying. That the same way that Jesus rose, you have risen. I'm going to say that again. The same way Jesus rose, you have risen. You have a new life. Watch what verse 5 says. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self, watch this. It doesn't say will be crucified. It says it was crucified with him, so that the so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Somebody better say I'm free. I'm free. Somebody, I hope you believe that I am free. Sin is not your issue. Verse seven says because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So here's what it's saying. The same way Jesus took sin upon himself and put it to death at the cross, it's also dead in your life. And I know what somebody just thought. Well, how come we still do some sinful things? I'm gonna tell you why. Because you're remembering the wrong thing. You're thinking on the wrong thing. See, when when you know you have a new life, and you live with that understanding, it never grows old. You'll find yourself going less and less to the past and more and more towards God's promises. And so it goes on to say this in verse 9, For we know that Christ was raised from the dead. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died... He died to sin once for all. In other words, he dealt with sin completely. Watch this. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way. I'm going to say that again. In the same way. Watch this. In the same way, count yourselves. uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, is Jesus alive and well? So are you. Has Jesus conquered death? Has Jesus conquered hell? Has Jesus conquered sin? Listen closely. So have you. So think of it this way if you're gonna hide something, right, not that I could hide my face with this hand, but if I could, right, if I'm hiding behind this barrier, then do you see me or do you see what's in front of me? You see what's in front of me. So listen to what the scripture says. It says you are hidden in Christ. So when God looks upon you, who does he see? Christ. Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's time that we start to get a new perspective so that we can live a new life, right? And we can do something new, right? So the scripture goes on to say this. In verse uh, 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. See, now sin is not your obligation. Now you have a choice. Before we didn't have a choice. Now we have a choice, right? And so it goes on to say, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And so I want you to see something here, that in in, in this passage of scripture that we just read, we see the power of our union with Christ. A couple of things we see. We see that we have a new life. We have a new life. Can I say something to you, Christian? You know what I love about being a Christian? That we all have the same name. (laughs) You know what the word Christian really means? Little Christ. That's what the term means. You are a little Christ. Yes, you you have the image of God in you. But what I love about uh, uh, this, this life in Christ is this, that we have a brand new life that is constantly available to us. And it's something that doesn't grow old. So we see that in our union to Christ, we have new life. We no longer have to live according to the past. But when you do, God didn't choose that for you. You chose it. I'm just saying. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? We see here through these passages of Scripture that sin no longer is our master. You no longer have to do sinful things. At one point, we had no choice but to because we knew no better. That's why Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Right? We also see here that we we, we are now under God's grace. You know why that's important? Because grace is God's favor when you don't deserve it. Even when you drop the ball, you still have the favor of God. Even when you think wayward, you still have the favor of God, even when you've gone through some difficult situations and you've done some, some pretty messed up stuff. Listen closely. Thank God that we are hidden in Christ. See, that's the thing that many people struggle with, to understand that the grace of God is complete. It's complete. That thus, the scripture tells us that we do not, that, that, that we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, but because it's the gift of God. Right? And we also see here that we now have the choice to get up and live an entirely new life. So, all this has been made possible through our union with Christ. And so tonight, I'd like to talk to you for a couple of brief moments on the topic, get up and live. I'm going to say that again. Get up and live. Listen, if the scripture says who the Son sets free is free indeed, then what else do you have to do but get up and live in that freedom? right? If the scripture says that as Jesus is, so are you in this world, right? and the scripture calls Jesus righteous, and the scripture says that you now are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what else is there to do but get up and live according to the righteousness of Christ? To accept that you are good enough in God's eyes. You know, I remember... Years ago, there was a time when I used to go to the club, right? I used to just, that was my thing. Years ago, right, we would go to Red Zone, we would go to Sound Factory, we would go, it started Thursdays, sometime Wednesdays, and it would go all the way till Sunday, right? But the thing about it is that I was always the youngest one with the group, right? I was the, the little guy who could not get in the club, right? Didn't have a fake ID either, but because who I was going with, I was always let in. They would go, hey, Shorty, what what were you doing? I was like, I'm with him. Nah, he's with me. He's all right. And I would always walk in. The reason why I share that with you is because who I was with was the key that provided me access into all these places. Now, listen closely. Who you are with makes all the difference. Who you are in makes all the difference. Christ has opened the door for you to live a brand new life. Might as well get up and live it. Right? And so as you start upon this new year, I'd like to encourage you to consider that because of Christ, because you are in Christ, you have every reason to get up. Let me take that a step further. You have every reason to get up and live. A new life. Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand the things that I've done. No, no, no. You don't understand what Christ has done on your behalf. But Pastor, you don't understand. I'm still struggling in certain areas. Listen closely. Your struggle does not define nor limit the power of God. You are free indeed. He loves you. He's for you. Right? That's that's the scripture. You know, Paul, Paul once says to God, he, Paul uh, records this in the scriptures where he says that he went to God three times. He says, God, take this affliction from me. God, uh, uh, you know, do this for my life. God, do that for my life. And God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my, grace is per- my, my power is perfected in your weakness. See, as long as you need Christ, <laughs> you're in great company. There's more in store for you. And so listen, in the final moments of his life on earth, the Lord Jesus took time to celebrate what the Jews refer to even until this day as the Passover meal. This meal was served as a reminder to them of a time when they finally broke free from the power and subjugation of Egypt as the angel of death came upon all the land of Egypt and took every firstborn child and animal of the people of Egypt. So the Passover was a cause for great celebration for the Israelites because it served as a constant reminder that God spared them by way of a sacrificial lamb whose blood was smeared upon the doorposts of their homes and they were able to break free. Now here's what they didn't realize and many of them to this day don't realize that it was a prophetic visual depiction of what Christ would do for them and the entire world which opened our path to freedom. So on this night as Jesus observed observed the Passover lamb with the first disciples, it was a cause for much celebration. But a review of the scriptures reveals that the disciples were anything but in a celebratory mood. After predicting his betrayal, departure and ultimately his death, and that he was going on, that he had to leave them. The scriptures tell us in John 14, 1, that Jesus says to the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Listen to what we're seeing here. This tells us something. At the hearing that he had to go, he's telling them, I have to be crucified. But he's also told them that this temple that would be destroyed would be raised in three days. He's been telling them time and time again, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise. And even at the hearing of this, and probably they should have known it, but they didn't. They were troubled, they were vexed, they, over, they were overwhelmed, they were sad. And thus Jesus tell them, tells them, do not let your hearts be troubled. And so I have a question for you, it just at hearing John 14.1. In response to everything that Jesus has just told them about what he's about to do, does it appear like they're down or they're up? It would probably, most of you are probably concluding they were down. But I submit to you that they weren't down at all. Listen to why I say that. Their issue wasn't that they were down. Their issue was that they did not see the immense power of their union with Christ. Listen to what Jesus says to them just two verses later in John 14:3 and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am listen they were missing the power in what was to come what you and I have now have. Jesus was making a way for them by his sacrifice, But they were so intimate with their feelings. They were so into their desires. They were so into their limited understanding that they were forsaking their union to Christ and the promise that it held for their lives. Let me just say this to you as as a word of encouragement, that you are never down because Christ is always up. I'm going to say that again. You are never down Because Christ is always up And so if Christ is risen Then why are you buying into a lie That somehow you failed to the point That you've fallen away And God can't work in your life Why are you worried about the circumstances That hinder you You should be attentive to what God is trying to do But you should not be limited by guilt Nor condemnation You are free in Christ You have been raised up with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So don't make the mistakes that the disciples did in this moment by taking your eyes off of your union to Christ because it is the determining factor to getting up and living and not staying down and not living at all. So I want to give you just some practical steps as we come towards the the end part of of, of this message, and it's this. The first thing I want to give you is that you can get up and live because the hurdle has been removed. You can get up and live because the hurdle has been removed. You know, oftentimes, living our new life in Christ seems distant. It seems hard. It seems outright impossible because we believe that we are facing a losing uphill battle. But the truth is that we're not. See, we have a tendency to feel down, to look down, and to live down based on our circumstances. Loss of a job, all of a sudden, oh my God, the sky is falling. Right? Difficulties in our relationships, tragedies of life, daily hardships. Can I ask you, have any of you been in any of these circumstances? I I dare say we all have. Did you make it through? Are you still standing? Has God been good to you? See, in the moment, it doesn't make sense. You don't see the way. But instead of focusing on how, you should be focusing on who is working in your life. You know what I'm saying? And so when we feel feel down, when we look down, and when we live down, it's because we are believing too low. (laughs) You're believing in the wrong one. You're believing in the wrong thing. You're believing according to the wrong realm. You are seated in heavenly places. Listen, as long as you know you are seated in Christ, you will always be above your circumstances. Amen. You'll always rise above them. You know, they say, I, I'm, I'm no track saw. I never ran track in my life. The only experience I have with track was being a Cub Scout. And we went uh, to Randall's Island in the city. And they had this huge Cub Scouts Olympics, and the thing about it is that everyone got a medal. <laughs> we all won, is what they told us. They lied to us. <laughs> anyway, let me—I've forgiven. I've let that go. But getting back to my point here, you know what's interesting about track, when specifically when it comes to hurdles, from what I understand, and my daughter-in-law uh, Hannah used to be in track in high school, right? Um, but one of the things that, that, that I hear about tracks, specifically when it comes to hurdles, is that they teach you not to look at the hurdle, but to look beyond the hurdle, yes. right? Yes. And I'm going to tell you why I share that with you, because for many of us, the reason why we trip up, and why we give up, and why we let up, is because we're so busy looking at the hurdle, instead of looking beyond the hurdle, <laughs> see... Check this out, the reason why Jesus rejoiced in the midst of what was sure to be a horrific death, right, and what was to come, the reason why Jesus rejoiced was because Jesus looked past the hurdles, while the disciples focused in on the hurdles. The scriptures tell us that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, In the original language, what it says is that he When it says that he despised the shame of the cross Literally what it's saying is that he cast off the shame He wasn't even full He He felt no shame He felt no sorrow He felt none of that Why? Because he saw you See, when Jesus looked past the hurdle Past the hurdle Guess what he was looking at? You and me He was looking at the world While everyone sees the worst in us God sees the best in us Right, So you can get up and live Because you have much To be thankful for Second point I want to give you Is that you can get up and live Because you have much To be thankful for Listen In the face of an oncoming horrific death The denial of those closest to him And the ridicule of many of the very people That once called him Lord The scripture teaches us that Jesus had an attitude of gratitude. He was thankful. Let me show you that from scripture. Look at Luke 22, verses 17 through 20. It says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of my new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, you can't miss this point. Jesus is breaking the bread. But you know what he's actually doing? He's saying to them, this is what's going to happen to me. This is what's, what's going to happen to my body. This cup that we're drinking, he's literally symbolizing to them, this is my blood that's going to be poured out for you. And the scripture says that Jesus gave thanks. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. Why? See, Jesus was thankful not for the suffering. He was thankful For you and I. He saw the promise. He saw the blessed hope that he was bringing to the entire world. And so like Jesus, you and I can rise up from any circumstance when we are mindful of what we have to be thankful for. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anything to be thankful for? (laughs) I dare say each and every one of us do. Listen, I get it. Life can be hard. But according to Isaiah 43, 2, you have the one that promises that when waters rise, that they shall not overtake you. I get it. You feel alone and deserted at times by those who no longer stand with you. But according to Romans 8, 38 and 39, you are loved by the one who promises that no height, no depth, no width, no length can separate you from his love. And Isaiah 49, 16 says that you have the one who promises you that he has engraved you in the palm of his hands. Listen, you can't help but be united to Christ. You are in the palm of his hands. He is with you always. He will bring you through at all times. I get it. You've been faithful, but... But maybe you're in a place in your life where you're weary while wondering when things are going to turn around for you. Well, according to Galatians 6-9, you have the one who promises that if you will not grow weary in well-doing, you shall reap your reward in due season. I'm here to tell you, don't give up. I'm here to tell you, your season is within reach. I'm here to tell you that you are fruitful and you will bear much fruit because you were built to, to, to produce much food according to the words of Jesus in John 15. And so thus, 1, Thess- 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this to you and I. Give thanks in some circumstances. Is that what it says? It says give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, you are not called to be thankful For all circumstances Let me be clear on that Some of us have been taught And we've come to believe That when calamity comes We're supposed to say Oh God, thank you That my husband mistreated me Oh God, thank you For all the persecution That I'm uh, undergoing At the hands of my enemies Oh God, thank you For Tough times where I don't know how I'm going to make it. That's not what the scripture says at all. See, you are not called to be thankful for all circumstances, but you are called to be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Because God is present in the midst of your circumstances at all times. There is always something to be thankful for. Are you breathing? Good. He's the one that gave you the breath of life. Are you still standing? Good, he gave you the ability to stand in the power of his might. Is Jesus still Lord over the wind and the waves of life? Good, he's still the one that proclaims peace and stillness over the storms that come your way. Is God still faithful? Good, he is the one whose strength is perfected in the midst of your weakness, and he brings you forward every single time. He has brought you this far, and you have something to be thankful for. Four. And so as we come to a close here tonight Before we take communion I want to leave you with a point And then I want us to take a moment just In reflection with a song As we lead into communion The last point I want to leave you with here Is that you can get up and live But you have to get up Listen closely You have to get up You have a new life But you know, you have to take that new life and do something with it. You know, after the resurrection of Christ, there was much confusion. And the disciples, the scriptures tell us, were dispersed. But then Jesus shows up and Acts chapter one tells us that for 40 days he began to teach them about the kingdom of God. And so in Acts one, the scriptures say that Jesus instructed them to wait until the promise of his Holy Spirit would come upon them. There was a baptism that they were to undergo. There was a power that they were to receive. And so these people were down by all intents and purposes according to the appearances of what it looked like to the world around them. Everyone believed that Jesus was dead. No one believed that he had risen again. Many believed that he had been merely a teacher, that what he started was finished. But these disciples knew otherwise. And so in Acts chapter 1, in verse 14, it tells us that 120 of them gathered together in an upper room. And it says specifically that they joined in prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because no matter the circumstances around them, these disciples understood that the value of stepping away from what was going on around them by going to an upper room, an upper room. Now I'm telling you that now is the time for you to go to an upper room. Now's the time for you to begin to lift your praise. Now is the time for you to rise above your circumstances. Now is the time for you and I to look up to God so that we can get up because now is your time to live your new life in Christ. Come on, let's stand up together here. Watch what Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place in this upper room and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Listen closely. After this moment, there were many questions that people were asking about what had happened what what had they just witnessed and Jesus put it this way in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth ladies and gentlemen you have the Holy Spirit present and at work in your life, and if you will just rise to your upper room, if you will separate yourself from everything that tries to pull you down, I'm telling you that there is a release of power. When you get up and you look up to God, there is a release of power in your life. So today, will you raise more than your hands? Will you raise more than your heart? Will you raise your belief? Will you stop believing, low and begin to look unto your Lord, to his holy mountain, where your help comes from? Because I'm telling you right now, your new life is above the hurdle. It's not where you've been looking. Amen? And so, Father, tonight we come to you, and we declare, Lord, you've given us new life. You've opened our eyes. And, Lord, we love you, and we celebrate your goodness. Come on now, let's worship.